today I interviewed Anissa Ballou and, and Charlie Arnold. Between the two of them, they had 29 years of experience at DCFS. Um, Charlie was the in-home inspector. He was the one who would go into your home from DHS and would inspect and make sure you had all the safety requirements to foster and, and adopt children um, on the DCF side. And he still does that for Southern Christian Home to help Christians prepare for fostering and adopting. Anissa was an area director in DCFS services. She was in charge of DCF, DCFS officers in, in several counties for, for a few years. And they've been in child, between the two of them, they've been in, involved with child care and, and the child care situation for, for 29 years. I was looking forward to this episode and it, it blew me away at their knowledge and their wisdom and and the way they gave advice to Christians and, and to me and the churches and church leaders on how to apply themselves to help the child care situation, but not just that, to help prevent it. They showed me, and I hope you listen to this episode, and, and they'll show you that we can be involved before DCFS has to get involved. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey guys, you're listening to All Things True. I'm your host, Cody B. Today we're having a very, we have two very special guests here. We're continuing our series on the uh, child care um, situation in, in the state of Arkansas. I'm avoiding the, you know, as, as y'all know, the, uh, I'm, I'm avoiding the term crisis here due to the fact that it, it can, it's not just out of control. We can help and it can be fixed. So it's a child care situation, not a child care crisis. But the child care crisis here in Arkansas, and today I'm back on the campus of, of the Southern Christian Home um, here in Moralton, Arkansas. And I have two very special guests. Uh, they both work here at the Southern Christian Home and both have dedicated many years of service to what is known as DCFS or the Division of Child and Family Services. Our, our first guest is Anissa Ballou. Anissa, how are you today? I'm doing good, thank you. Our second guest is, is Charlie uh, Arnold. How are you today? How are you doing today, Charlie? Doing well, thank you. Very good. Um, there's a few things we want to cover here. You know, our, our last episode, we sat down with Caroline and Abigail, and we talked about, you know, what churches can do to help the child care situation that we have right now. Today, we're talking more about what's causing the actual situation, and, and we're going to go into the environment of, of what these kids are, are coming out of, what's taking place in, in some of the homes, um, and, and we're going to talk about the role of, of DCFS in, in, in some of this, and, and also how can churches help before DCFS gets involved. So, Anissa, what is DCFS? That is the Division of Children and Family Services, and it's one of many divisions under the Arkansas Department of Human Services. And they're tasked with um, investigating the bulk of all child abuse and neglect allegations um, that come in to the Arkansas State Police. 
child abuse hotline every year. Um, they're tasked with offering in-home services for cases where abuse or neglect has been founded true, and we believe the service that the family needs services and they need further support. And then ultimately also foster care. They are in charge of the entire foster care system in the state of Arkansas. Charlie, I guess, uh, what environments do these kids come from that DCFS um, take care of? They come out of each individual situation is different, but it is a, a environment of, of neglect, uh, of abuse, of any type of, of, of where there is intimate harm to a child. That's where DCFS will step in and will remove a child from their caregiver and place them into the foster care system. So it could be environmental neglect where there's a, a house that's infested with roaches and they can't pay their light bill and they have loving parents but they're down. They can't pay their basic utilities but there's a, a baby in the home or a small child and there is intimate harm being done or could be done to this harm to this child. Uh, it could be where parents are addicted to drugs and completely incapacitated. Uh, some of them have been incarcerated and so there's no one there to take care of the children. So there's a whole gamut of, and I haven't even touched on mental health issues that uh, a parent may be suffering from. Uh, so it's, it's anything that you can imagine uh, where a child is in intimate harm. DCFS has been charged to um, step in. Well, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and see. even that, it, to simplify it, they're your next door neighbors. Because it doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are, there are children in our foster care system today that have come from your richest neighborhoods, they've come from the poorest neighborhoods, they have been victims of human trafficking. Um, so look around you. The odds are, if you just stop where you're at right now and look around you, there is a child that has suffered trauma or been a victim of abuse or neglect that needs help. How, how many children are in the foster care system here, here in Arkansas? I think the current numbers is around... 4,900, yeah. I think, yeah. is the last statistic we got is around 4,900. And, and how many... Are there beds for all those children? Absolutely not. No. How long has that been a situation where there hasn't been enough beds? Always, but it is it is worse now than it's been in a long time. There's been a, a huge initiative in Arkansas over the last five to 10 years to really um, turn that situation around, but the pandemic uh, really hurt in that regard. Uh, but there, there are not enough beds. There's an overwhelmingly desperate need for foster homes. For beds and homes and, and, and foster care, right. foster parents and right. house parents at the yes. Southern Christian Home and the Paragould's Children's Home. Um, now, Nessa, how long did you work for DCFS? Almost 10 years. And how long did you work for DCFS, Charlie? 19 years. So we got we got 29 years worth of experience right here at this table. Um, 
So y'all are the experts <laughs> <laughs> on child care and on the situations and on the kids and on the comings and, and, and goings. Um, how, how has the pandemic made it worse? Just by the isolation, uh, by the children not going, being able to go into schools where, and daycares and different things where we have more eyes on different children and being able to see them. Um, there is a lot more uh, uh, alcohol and, and drugs and things being uh, consumed to, to deal with the pain and the, the losing of jobs. The, there's, it's just all kinds of different aspects that this COVID uh, pandemic has trickled down through society to, uh, and the results um, are the children being suffering? Yeah. So we already had a, a tough situation with the childcare situation, and the pandemic has 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 made it worse. And now kids are a lot of kids are back in school, and, and we do have more eyes now. But we're realizing that we're behind. That DCFS is behind. That the the childcare situation has has gotten worse. So. Um, well, and Cody, to that, what happened prior to the pandemic is there were situations, like I said, where we recognized that abuse and neglect happened, but because of the social and community supports that were in place, like the schools and the counselors, um, the soccer coaches or the baseball coaches, all of those things, all of those eyes that were watching those kids, those were circumstances that maybe the kids could stay at home with mom and dad. And we have all of these people, along with DCFS, put supports in place and try to maintain those children in the home and provide services. But when you can't do that because your kids are not going to school and your kids are not seeing their therapist and your kids are not playing ball because the pandemic shut you down, that then leads us to a situation where the only way to absolutely ensure that these children are safe is to put them in foster care. Mm -hmm. And that should always be the last resort. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so that, that problem was exacerbated. And then you then had foster parents that due to various fears around uh, the COVID pandemic were not willing to accept children into their home for health reasons and for safety reasons. And so that then compounded an already overburdened system. And, and to get back to God's word, that's, that's God's plans for children, isn't it? It's, it's a children being raised by their parents in their home that they were born into. Um, and, and the fact that the Southern Christian Home and, and other Christian services in Arkansas and even the state has services to, to keep that possible when you do have parents who may not be the best equipped is a good thing. But what can churches do to help in that in that situation? How, how can churches help before DCFS is called? Pay attention to what's going on next to you. Pay attention when that couple that sits on the back pew quits showing up all of a sudden. Like, ask those questions. What happened? Um, due to social media and just where we're at right now, we, we live in a culture that's very detached. We have got to lay eyes on people. We've got to ask those questions, even if they're the tough questions to ask. Hey, we missed you. Um, what's going on? Can we help you? Do you need a meal? Um, all of those things, because what we find is a lot of this trauma, neglect, 
starts with just a need going unfulfilled, a need that the church is absolutely equipped to meet. Another way of saying that, that the churches, um, I've heard the, the phrase, we have to get outside of our walls to get outside of our, our buildings and to interact with uh, people where, where they are. We have to be involved with our communities. We have to be a people that is living the Christian, uh, that Christ has changed our life out on the streets and in our jobs and in our uh, communities and, and really having that relationship with Jesus that, that has given me grace and given me mercy and given me blessings that are way beyond uh, what I have, that I take those instead of relishing in them, that I pass them on that I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty. I'm not in, afraid to get involved with somebody else's mess because somebody was able to come into my mess and help me and encourage me. Then I can come in and I can say, uh, there's hope for you too because every single one of us is a child of God. And I think that if we would stop and see people not as whatever label that we want to put them on, but if we see them as that is a child of God, that the Spirit of God lives in them, then we can freely give what has been given to us. I think that's what Christ has asked us to do. It breaks my heart because you're, you're just saying people that Christians should just pay attention. To summarize it, just pay attention, open your eyes and look at the people in the market. Look at the people in the store. Look at the people at Sonic. Look at the people at the restaurants. They're there. You just got to listen. And What and, does it say about us as a church? Well, <laughs> and, and Charlie and I talk about this a lot in that while we absolutely need foster parents, we need adoptive parents, we need house parents, in all fairness, church, it's too late. If the kid is in foster care, we've stepped up to the plate too late because then it's damage control. Then we're, we're just meeting physical needs, mental needs, emotional needs, like we're trying to, we're trying to fix what's, what's been broken. And so if we, as the church, can, can show in our daily lives, like Charlie was saying, what Christ meant for us to do in bearing one another's burdens, in serving others, um, in loving our neighbors, if we're able to do that, proactively as the church just imagine the impact it's going to have on the number of kids that never end up in foster care that never are traumatized to the extent that that type of intervention is needed we're all one mistake away i, I think about this a lot and and cody you've known me you know almost <laughs> seven, a decade almost a decade now. now yeah we are all one mistake away from our families finding us in this situation. None of us are perfect, none of us make, as a parent, we don't make good decisions 100% of the time. We're all one mistake away from our families finding ourselves in these situations. And so I've been blessed enough to have members of various congregations that throughout my life as a teenager, throughout my life as an adult, that they've stepped up to the plate. They've recognized that there was a need and prevented things from getting a lot worse than they were. And so that's, that's how we serve these families. 
But that requires meeting people in some very dark places. Mm. We don't want to go there, do we? <laughs> well, I've listened to some of your previous broadcasts, and it's whenever we can, if the church could influence culture uh, instead of the culture influencing the church, uh, that that's another big step. But listen to some past broadcasts, and you can... Uh, Talk more about that. I appreciate that, Charlie. Uh, thank you for the plug there, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Okay, so if the first thing we need to fix this as Christians is, is to, as Christians, have our eyes open and our ears open and reach out with a helping hand, what can leaderships do? Elders, deacons, preachers, as a leadership become more active in, in getting involved in these situations before DCFS does? I think, again, look at those opportunities um, to serve others outside of our building. Like, that's the first step because there are people that need Jesus. They need us in their lives, and they are never going to step over the threshold of our church buildings. That's just a fact. So look for those resources, look for those avenues to reach people where they are at. I think the other thing is um, setting up those support networks within your congregation. Um, I, I think there was a statistic that came out a few years ago that said if one family from every church in America adopted a child out of foster care, there would be no waiting children in foster care. So what that means is what, what is church leadership doing to encourage those families um, to do just that? Um, because you may have a young family that is ideal and would be perfect to serve as a, as a foster or adoptive parent, but maybe they just need a little more financial support to make that happen. So what are we doing leadership to support that family um, so that they could serve others in that way and then the entire congregation wrap around not only that family but the biological family um, and that's that's how we get back to I think fundamentally fixing what you were talking about earlier what God's plan for the family was meant to be mom dad children in their own homes and a lot of times paying a utility bill is more than just paying a utility bill uh, being able to, and sometimes as a preacher uh, whenever somebody would come and ask for uh, help we would always wonder why what's what's what has brought you up and uh, too many times I put conditions on on things but if we could see a need as just a need and we fulfill that need and let God give the, the blessing um, the, in, and not put labels, well, if you would have done this, you would have done that, you wouldn't have been in this situation, so I'm not going to help you. Um, um, so, and especially people with uh, single moms with uh, kids, uh, that's, that's a big priority. Um, but being able to, to counsel uh, a husband and wife that's having struggles in their marriage, uh, being able to to have somebody qualified to sit down and 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 uh, talk through things to preserve a family because we're not we're not only just talking about childcare here. God has asked us to preserve families, 
and we have to look back and we have to to realize that there is a pattern that God has made for each and every one of us of, of the family of what the family is and he has adopted me into his family into his church and that gives me mothers and fathers and grandparents and great aunts and uncles be just because I'm a member of his body and if we can take that analogy and put it into practice into real that I have aunts and uncles that aren't related to me except through the church and I can go to them I haven't seen them in six or eight years and I can go and even if they're not home I can walk into their home open their refrigerator and eat whatever I want to just because that relationship is there. I'm going to write that down, Charlie. That's going to be a great sermon for me one day. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, you know, and for years I even discouraged churches from paying utility bills, from paying light bills, from paying water bills, but those are daily necessities of life. Um, I mean, this past winter we had negative nine degrees here in, in, in Arkansas. It had it snowed 22 inches in, in Perry County. If you didn't have heat, you would have died. Yeah. And that's just that's just the fact. That's just the, the fact of the, of, of the matter. Um, but we also have to, to, um, to acknowledge that there's, there's drugs and opioids and, and things that are diminishing the capabilities of parents to take care of themselves, let alone the take care of of their children and so many times churches are not equipped to deal with those but we as a church we can reach out and we can find those resources we can find those counselors we can find those rehabs and if we had that and whenever we see that we can offer that help whether it's transportation whether it is uh, paying for some counseling some rehab uh, there's just we have to get be we have to get involved. Yeah, we've got to get involved in people's life where they're at. Yeah, and even if, even if you don't know how, every every church has a church building. Every church has a building where they can host alcoholic anonymous, where they can host narcotic anonymous, where they can a have group therapy sessions uh, for for counselors who are willing to help and for people who aren't able to. You know th that that's what they need and, and aren't able to find it elsewhere. It's it's unless you look like you want to say something. That starts with us being willing to let the ugliness of this life penetrate our comfortable little bubble, and that's a hard thing to do. Because if I'm welcoming, if I if I'm reaching out that helping hand unconditionally, and I'm saying I don't I don't care what the reason for the need is. I am here to meet that need, then I have got to be open-minded enough to say, bring your ugliness, bring your darkness, bring all of those things that we as Christians should be seeking out to seek and save the lost. Bring all of that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that into my personal bubble, and I'm going to recognize that there's a need there. And, and, and that's the extreme side of it, like Charlie was saying, with the abuse, with the drug use, with the mental health illness, issues. I, I am sitting here in front of you today as a person that has never not once used drugs. I've never been physically abused, emotionally abused, sexually abused, whatever. 
but I have found myself in situations over the course of my lifetime that I was working a full-time job and still could not pay my bills. Mm -hmm. I found myself in situations where I had to choose between whether or not my children got dental care or whether I bought groceries. I found myself in situations where the next tank of gas for me to keep my job, I had no idea where that was coming from. And it just took somebody saying, you put that last $20 that you have in your gas tank, I'm gonna worry with the groceries. It took somebody recognizing that because the other part of that is we all are prideful individuals. And it, it's hard. It's always been hard for me to accept help. It's been hard for me to humble myself and say, I need help. So that goes back to what I was saying with, we need to pay attention. We need to open our eyes and open our ears because so many of the people that are in need will never ask for it. Now their behaviors, everything going on around them is screaming that they need help. It is screaming that their babies want to have a normal, I want my babies to play sports, but my kids can't play sports because I can't pay registration fees and groceries. Like let, I just, I just want to recognize church that it's not just abuse and neglect that leads families into this. So that's why I think if we want to get ahead of it, pay attention. We live in a culture that is permeated with mind your own business. And that is the absolute opposite of what God intended us as Christians to do. I need to be in Cody's business. I need to be in Charlie's business. And I need the both of you to be in mine. I mean, that's the way that we are to love one another, support one another, and, and serve one another. Can I get more specific here with you two? Um, you, you said that their, their, their behavior is screaming, that they need help with something. What... If we're telling people they should pay attention and they should see and they should hear, what should they be looking for? What behaviors in particular? Can you give some examples? For me, it's something as simple as if, if you're familiar with this person and you know that they're usually bright and bubbly and boisterous and very talkative or whatnot, and then you see a trend of they're only speaking when they're spoken to, or they're not putting themselves, you know, they used to come to the cookouts and the potlucks and the whatnot, and now you might see them on Sundays and Wednesdays, but you're not gonna see them at any events other than that. Something is going on that they're trying to shelter them, themselves from, that they're either ashamed of or they're trying to hide. Um, if you see something about their physical appearance, sometimes it's just about the way they dress. You know, it's somebody that maybe was always put together and, you know, was trendy or you felt like, oh, that's just something to always recognize. And then all of a sudden, the best they can manage is jeans and a t-shirt. And that might be something they just pulled out of the dryer, which is okay, but it's so atypical for them. We should be asking questions. If it's somebody that you've always seen and then all of a sudden they're not there, what are we doing? What are we doing? Where did they go? Those sure. are just some of mine. Um, like she's saying, uh, be aware. Uh, whenever you, you listen to conversations and whenever the kids are, uh, will say, man, I love playing football, uh, and, and mom just sort of dismisses that and things, where uh, 
you can pick up on clues um, that, um, but out of the mouth of babes uh, comes the, and over, out of the overflow of our hearts, we can hear if we're listening for uh, what, because I, I was like that. I mean, I was, I was in desperate need in several uh, situations where, but on Sunday mornings, I'm fine. I am fine, fine, fine. Everybody, how you doing? I'm fine. And, uh, but I just want, needed somebody just to say, okay, but are you really? And uh, I have several friends like that that uh, are, they, they look at me and they see the tiredness in my eye or they see my, me showing up a little bit late uh, at, to church or uh, I leave a little bit early. Um, and they recognize that. But the thing about that is you have to know the person on the front end to be able to recognize the difference. So recognize the person that's serving you lunch. Recognize the person that's checking you out at uh, Walmart or wherever you shop. Recognize the people that are, that are around you in your town. Get to know your neighbors. Um, so, and I don't want to say that the church isn't already doing all of these things because they've done them for me. Um, and so the church is there. And, but I also see where, where I can do better. <laughs> uh, and just a quick story. I was, went to Harding for four years preached for four years and all of a sudden I had a job interview at the DHS office and I had no clue where the DHS office was in White County. Mm -hmm. Where was I preaching those four years and not even know that this uh, existed? I grew up with foster brothers and sisters because my parents were foster parents. I knew that there was needs but I was in my own self. I was in my my bubble, my security, and I was doing. I was in my own little world that I built for myself, and I was secure in. And then life happened, and all of a sudden, my my the doors were wide open, and I saw a whole nother society there in Cersei that I was completely oblivious from. So whenever we say open your eyes, it doesn't mean that your eyes are closed, but become aware. And when in John 9, whenever you see Jesus healing the man born blind, he, he said he was a prophet, then he was a man of God, then this is, is Jesus. He knew who he was the whole time, but it took steps to get, and it's the ones, and Jesus said, if you say that you can see, that means that you're blind. Uh, so... Um, there's well and with those that you do have relationships with you know something that always brings to mind is actually a situation you and I were in Cody where I have a good friend of mine that was making some bad choices and she had come to me in confidence and had discussed with me in confidence that she was making some bad choices and I remember in the moment just taking that all in and then agonizing all that night 
about what I was going to do with that information. And, and I think I called you and said, hey, you know, this, this mutual friend we have, I'm letting you know that I'm going to her and I'm fixing to have a very hard conversation with her about some choices that she's making. I just want you to be there and be aware because she's going to need somebody when this conversation was over. And I was fully prepared that if it went badly that she would never speak to me again. But I had to recognize that my love for her and my need to see her in heaven one day had to be paramount to her getting her feelings hurt in the moment and not speaking to me in this earthly life. And I would have been devastated. If she had never spoken to me again, I would have been devastated. I, I consider her a very dear friend. But I have an obligation to love her enough to say, hey, we need to look for alternative solutions to this problem. And that's exactly what we did, is we talked about other options that she had instead of just staying in that bad situation. And so that also goes into it is how willing are we to have those tough conversations, to confront the ugliness and say, I love you despite of the bad choice and let's look at some options to, to get ourselves out of it. Y'all have given some really heavy things for us, for us, the Christians, the church, and me to, to think on and, and ponder, and, and the solutions are so simple. The solutions are so simple. Pay attention and care and love. That's, that's what Jesus did. Um, that's, and that's what he has, he has called us to do. Uh, and you're right, Charlie, there, there have been people in, 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 in my life and in your life and in this in your life, Christians who did care, they did pay attention, they did listen, they did see, and they did give, give a, a helping hand. Um, but we could do better. We could all do better. I mean, even even myself. I told y'all before we started this episode. I just found out about two rehab, two Christian rehab facilities um, that that don't charge. They they make you apply for for Medicaid, and and when you apply for Medicaid, they bill Medicaid, and whatever your insurance or Medicaid pays them, that's that's all the money they take. And it's like, why why have I just now known this after seven years of living in Perry County? Why did I just now know this? Like my eyes were open. My ears weren't listening. These these solutions and, and these problems are, are all around us, and Jesus Christ is the answer. Yeah. Absolutely, Amen. And his, his church is the answer. We we can help in this. Right. I had one last question. I was, I was going to ask y'all. I was going to ask this to Charlie because you, we said you know he's the expert on this. Uh, Abigail and Caroline, you know, we were talking about foster parents and how right. to become foster parents. And sure. um, one of the things is they said that you go in for the Southern Christian Army, you do a home check and you make sure they have all the safety requirements and, and right. things they need. What are what are the, some of those requirements? Um, your bedrooms have to have at least 50 square feet per occupant. Um, you have to have smoke detectors uh, in close to the kitchen and cooking area, your bedrooms, uh, you have to have a fire extinguisher, you have to have, um, keep medication logs, you have to, uh, 
keep medications locked up, yes. like out of reach right. of children. Your, your guns have to be locked. Your ammunition has to be locked. Um, and all of these things are very doable. But it's some of these things that we just live in our homes and that's what we live in and we don't even think about them. So having the, somebody from the outside come in and just do a walkthrough of your home and say, hey, that, uh, that plug-in, that needs the cover on that plug-in. And uh, you, uh, there's uh, background checks and all this paperwork and everything. That's what, we, that's what I'm here for. That's what, that's what I do. That's what, and I can help anybody get what, if they're willing to have a child in their home, then don't let paperwork scare you. Don't let regulations scare you. Don't let checklists scare you. We're looking for people to live their life with another person. We can give training. We can give support. We can give whatever's there because the, and the church is there as well for transportation, for food, for all of these different things. And the thing that people say to me, oh, I can't because my heart would break. It's, and it's like those are the people that we need, that you will love a child so that, because that's what's missing in their life. Okay? So we can, we can deal, and it's not about me. It's about taking care of that child. And we can, we can, can we're, we as an adults, we can put our hope and our faith in Jesus. And we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can accomplish things that we can't even imagine us accomplishing. And I can, I can talk about how... Preach it, Charlie. <laughs> how he has done this in my life and has turned her around in three years, a 15-year mess that I've made in my life. All but right. it's, it's all there. Well, and as difficult as it is for us as an adult, not one of these kids asked to be an orphan mm. or to be abused or to be neglected. And so how much more do they need the love of a stable parent that, or parents that can meet that physical need, that emotional, mental need, that spiritual need? Um, so as difficult as it may be for me as a parent, the child needs it that much more. All right, two things I want to add. Uh, I, I had this conversation with a friend of mine one time, and, and I, I said to him, it, it was about going and helping out a rehab facility in Northeast Arkansas. I, I told him, I just don't know I should do that because I can't relate. I don't know those situations. And my buddy said, Jesus didn't ask you to understand yeah, he told you to love. That doesn't require understanding some everything that someone has gone through because you'll never understand all the things that everyone has gone through. But you can still love them, and that's what those kids need more than anything else. The second thing I want to add on, on the back end of what, what Charlie said about, you know, he, he goes in there, he checks for smoke alarms, he checks for fire extinguishers, he, he, he checks for his safety things that um, the DCFS checks for is, is on their list. Um, those things cost money. And, and I want you to know 
if you're a Christian listening and you're interested in foster care and, and you're worried about purchasing some of those things or you're worried you can't afford some of those things, don't let that stop you. Yes. Uh, I, I know for a fact. I, I know for a fact. I, I brought this up last episode and I'll probably bring it up next episode when I'm sitting down with two parents who have adopted. Um, I know for a fact that if I go to my church or someone comes to me and they say, hey, I, I, I have to take care of my of these kids or hey, I've become a new foster mom or a new foster dad or, or hey, we're, we're adopting and, and I need a crib, I need smoke alarms, I need a fire extinguisher, I need a safe. I can go to my elders and, and they would say, whatever they need, get it. Your churches will help you. And church leaders, if you're listening, we need to do a better job of communicating that to our members that we will help and, and members if you're going, going to go into foster care or, or child care for your within your home let your elders know let them know what you need let your preachers know let your deacons know what you need i promise they will fulfill that need and they won't you call me and this and charlie and we'll take care of it absolutely All right. yes, sir. <laughs> we'll, yes, sir. we'll find the solutions absolutely um and this is there anything else you'd like to add before we close out I would just say that if you're considering fostering or adopting or being a house parent, um, please reach out to us here at Southern Christian Home. Um, And if you're not ready for that step yet, come work with us as a mentor to these kids. Just spend a little bit of time with us and figure out what we're about. And I promise you that we'll find where you fit. We'll find where you're meant to serve and where you're meant to be. How can they get in touch with you? Our website is schome.org. That's S-C-H-O-M-E dot O-R-G. Our phone number is 501-354-2428. And Charlie, do you have any final thoughts before we close out the episode? Um, I think that whenever we start thinking about taking care of other people's children that we can have a hundred excuses why we would not um, and we're not asking you to uh, to do anything extraordinary you don't have to have a PhD in parenting or anything like that we're wanting you to live your life the way uh, that you are already living your life and inviting a child to walk alongside of you and uh, whenever you burn the cookies whenever you you have a flat tire, things are gonna happen in life, but that child wants to be there and experience those things. And you can show them how the disappointment in your own life, that you can handle it in a way, and you can show your faith that, hey, there's something more to this life, and uh, that this life isn't what it's all about. It's what is unseen. So we can live our faith and we can spread our faith, but, Children will give you so many opportunities uh, to, for joy and happiness, to share your faith, to be uh, so much more fulfilled. That concludes this episode of All Things True. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can email them at perryvillecoc at gmail.com. That's perryvillecoc at gmail.com. And remember, love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things. Thank you.